Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are with us. And because you are with us, you are more than the world against us. We pray now, God, and ask for your anointing afresh. Hide me behind the cross that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, not to impress people, but to impact people's lives. May your word go forth this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So several years ago, I got into this season of serious photography. Now, when I say serious photography, I'm not talking about uh, Polaroid cameras. I'm not talking about Kodak pocket cameras. Uh, I'm talking about SLR cameras, you know, single lens reflex. I'm talking about before digital. I'm talking about film. I'm talking about before autofocus. It was all manual focus. You know, when real men and real women took pictures, right? And, and so I got into photography, and, and I kind of got into it in a different way because the first set of pictures that I took with a professional camera, they were underwater pictures. Yeah, see, I was scuba diving at the time, and, and I decided I wanted to take some pictures. I wanted to shoot some great shots, and, and so I got the camera, and I got the underwater uh, housing, and, and I made a decision. I said, man, I'm going to start taking some pictures. So here I go, and man, I got to tell you, I had a blast. Oh, my God, I was taking pictures all over the place, and I was taking pictures of everything. I mean, sharks, uh, uh, octopus, eels, uh, all kinds of fish, blue tang, uh, tuna, barracuda, uh, dolphins. I mean, I was taking pictures of all kinds of marine life. I was taking pictures of the uh, corals and, and all kinds of things. And, and, and when I started developing the film, I, I noticed something. Because remember now, this is before digital, right? So I'm developing the film, and, and I'm noticing that half of the picture was, was the fish, and, and normally it was the, the, the bottom half or the tail end of the fish that I got in the shot. Uh, I, I noticed that there were many times the fish were out of focus. And, and I had to learn a lesson very quickly. Number one... It's easier to take pictures of people than fish, right? You can tell people, hey, all right, ready? Everybody look at me. Smile, say cheese, or one, two, three, cheese, right? But you can't do that with fish. Here's the other thing I learned, that it was not only hard to get them in the frame, man, it was hard to get them jokers in focus, I mean, because they were swimming. Now, remember, I've got to swim up close to them to get a picture of them. So here I come, this big object I have on this big black wetsuit, and I'm blowing bubbles from all over, and they're probably looking at me saying, what in the world is this? So needless to say, they weren't hanging around waiting for me to take a picture. But I'm down there just snapping. I'm down there just snapping. Here's what I learned. I learned that when objects are moving, it's hard to get them in the frame, and it's hard to get them in focus. 
What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying to you is that we live in a world right now where things are moving very fast. We're living in a world where we're experiencing all kinds of chaos and turmoil. Every night you go to bed, you're hearing one story. You get up the next morning, you're hearing a totally different story. We're hearing news reports now. States are hearing and hitting numbers in terms of COVID-19 infections that they have never hit before. All-time highs, like every day over this past week has been an all-time high in states around this country, including the state of Texas. So when things are moving fast, how do you keep focus? And specifically for our message today, how do you keep focus on your joy? That's what I want to talk about today as we continue our series, The Joy Campaign. We're walking through the book of Philippians and we're studying how to live a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world. I want to talk today from the thought the focus of a joy-filled life, the focus of a joy-filled life. Now, this is part two of this message. Uh, Previously, we started off in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, looking at the foundation of a joy-filled life. Well, now we're in verses 3 through 6, and today I want to focus on verse 5 in particular to talk about the focus for a joy-filled life. What kind of focus do you need to have? What do you need to be focusing on in order to have a joy-filled life? Now, what's interesting is 16 times in four chapters in the book of Philippians, we see the word joy, rejoice, or some derivative thereof. Paul is in prison, and it's amazing that even in prison, he was able to recognize the presence of joy in his life. He wrote to the Philippian church to encourage them to be people of joy. And here's what's interesting. It wasn't that bad things had not happened to Paul while he was in Philippi, but Paul chose to focus on those things, on God and on the people who were a blessing to his life and to his ministry in order to cultivate and focus on the joy that the Lord had in his life. Part one, last week, we said to live a joyful life, you must pray with a focus on the person of God and others. You must pray with a focus on the person of God and others. Verse 3, Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. One of the powerful lessons that the Apostle Paul teaches us in the book of Philippians is that joy is a choice. You have a choice to access joy. You have a choice to walk in joy. You have a a, a choice to claim the joy of the Lord for your life. Paul says, I am praying for you, and I make my prayer with joy. How many times do you pray in a spirit of joy? How many times do you make your prayer in joy, right? Come on, typically what drives us to pray 
are bad times, sad times, difficult times. Very rarely do we actually approach praying in a spirit of joy. We tend to ask for more than we thank God for what he's already done. And the Bible says that Paul prayed with joy, that idea of joy, that inner gladness, that depth of assurance and confidence, knowing that if God is for you, he's more than the world against you, and him being for you is really a testimony to the goodness of God and the grace of God and the presence of God in your life. And that presence doesn't change when you go through things. Paul teaches us that joy is a choice, and he really gives us uh, three things about joy. We, we see it throughout the Bible. Let me just give them to you real quick. A, joy is divine. Joy is divine. Joy is not human. It's not temporally based, even though it is temporally manifested. In other words, joy is divine. It is heavenly, even though it shows up on earth. Joy is divine. B, joy is independent of circumstances. Yeah, it's important for you to understand that. Joy is independent of circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. And guess what? If something or someone around you can take your joy, then I'm telling you it's not joy. It's really happiness. Because joy is independent of the circumstances you find yourself in. See, joy is rooted in your relationship and faith in God. Joy is rooted in your relationship and your faith in God. Today, let's continue our focus on what it means to have a joy-filled life. Here's the point for today. Number one, to live a joyful life, you must focus on the program and provision of God. Now, one of the things we talked about last week, and I want to reiterate this week, is whenever you focus on yourself and you start having a pity party for yourself, guess what? You cannot access the joy of the Lord because you have to focus on what is beyond you in order to bring joy back to you or to allow joy to manifest itself in your life. Listen to what Paul says. Let me read verse 4 for you again and then verse 5. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. Underline that word. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It had been some 10 years since some of the members of the church at Philippi had given their life to the Lord. Paul founds this church. He, he gives birth to this church, and, and now he is literally celebrating that there are some who were with him 10 years ago, their partnership in the gospel from that first day until that present moment. Now, here's what some of you may ask. Well, what, what do you mean partnership? Well, that word partnership is an interesting word. Uh, in the original language, that's the word kononia. It's the word that's typically translated in many biblical passages, fellowship. 
Um, but, but it's more than just breaking bread. It's more than just hanging out. It, it really speaks to a communion, uh, 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 an, an interaction with one another, a social intercourse, uh, a bond that is created uh, between people typically around a subject or because of something that you have in common. Paul says to this church of Philippi, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Paul. How, how, how does focusing on the program and the provision of God give me joy? See, I submit to you that some of you are not experiencing the joy of the Lord in your life because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Let me put a cord in the meter and park here for a second. Too many times in life, we focus not on what we have, but what we don't have. We don't focus on who's with us. We focus on who walked out on us. We don't focus on the blessings that we have received. We focus on the things that we have lost. And Paul says, you've got to learn how to focus. You have to learn how to focus if you are going to experience what God has for you. You have to learn how to focus. Focus on what? God says, focus on my program and focus on my provision. Paul looks at the church of Philippi. He says, man, I thank God for your partnership, for our kononia, our fellowship with one another. Look at the amplified version. I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel, from the first day you heard it until now. Let me share with you a couple of things real quick. Uh, Look at A. The foundation of our fellowship is our mutual belief in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ the great salvation of God. That, that, that's the foundation of our fellowship. When Paul talks about this partnership with the church at Philippi, it starts with knowing Jesus. Without knowing Jesus, we don't have true biblical fellowship. We don't have Christian brotherhood and sisterhood. We don't have what God is telling us we need to have, and that's fellowshipping with one another. But look at B. It's not only the foundation of our fellowship, the furtherance of our fellowship is in the spreading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when Paul talks about the partnership, he's talking about a relationship, but now he talks about that relationship becoming the foundation for a revival. Paul says it's not just that we know Jesus, but it's that we share Jesus with those who need Jesus. Paul says it's the relationship that we have, that partnership, that bond that we have because we love Jesus and that bond that we have that caused you to support me when I took the gospel throughout Asia Minor. See, the Philippian church supported Paul. As a matter of fact, there's a suggestion that 
the support of the Philippian church was unlike any other. No other church supported Paul like the Philippian church. Uh, go to Philippians chapter 4. We'll, we'll get here later on as we preach and teach through this book, but, but let's just take a preview right now. Philippians chapter 4, uh, I, I want you to look at verse 19 because verse 19 is a verse that many of us memorize and love to quote. But like many verses, we quote it proper in terms of its content, but we tend to take it out of its context. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Come on, how many times have we heard it? How many times have we said it? How many times have we quoted it when we didn't have, not what we needed, but sometimes what we greeted? How many times have we said, and my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory? But hold on, look at the context. Go back to verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership, there's the word again, with me in giving and receiving except you only. Paul says, listen, church at Philippi, you were the only church that supported this mission endeavor. You were the only church that was faithful in your giving to spread the gospel. And look at verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, when you support the work of ministry, Church of Philippi, I want you to know that you can't beat God giving, that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. See, Paul says, you're not going to beat God giving. I don't care how you try. How, listen, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, I ain't, ain't going to give all that money to the church. I'm like, I'm like you know, that's, that's too much money. Well, what, well, why are we doing all of that? That, that costs too much. Why, 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 would we, why would we pay to send a missionary to another land? Why would, we, why would we pay to plant a church? Why don't them folk from over on that side of town just come to our church, right? Why, why would we spend money and invest money in our children and our youth? And, and God says, listen, you want to claim the promise of verse 19, but you don't want to pay the bills for verses 14 through 18. You can't claim God will supply all your needs unless you recognize that there's a cause and effect there. God says when you give in support of the kingdom work, when you give to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
when you give to help dying men and women who need to know the Lord come to know him, he says, I will supply all your needs. You can't outgive me when you give to the kingdom work. So here's basically what Paul says to the church of Philippi. You met my needs. God is going to meet your needs. You met my one need. God is going to meet all your needs. You gave out of your poverty. God is going to bless you out of his abundant riches. And can I tell you why joy is connected with focusing on the kingdom work of God? Because when I focus on the kingdom work of God, I never miss seeing what God is doing. And when I focus on the kingdom work of God and I see what God is doing, watch this. When I see it, I can celebrate it. Because I recognize there's a kingdom difference that's being made. So every week our food pantry is open and we served uh, hundreds of families, thousands of people uh, every week, even before COVID-19 hit and afterwards our our, our food pantry distribution went up some 2,000%. But I got to tell you, if, if I'm ever questioning, Lord Jesus, what God is doing, if I'm ever not in that place where I am not, if I'm in that place where I'm not focusing on God, all I got to do is walk down to the food pantry. All I have to do is see the volunteers who are filling cars with with food. All I have to do is talk to people who are coming through who say, Pastor, thank you for letting God use you and thank you for letting God use this church. Thank you, Pastor. I, I appreciate you so much. Oh my God. And I, get, I can't tell you when I leave, I feel the joy of the Lord in me because I recognize that we are doing not just the program of God but we are a conduit for the provision of God. There's joy when you know you're being used to do God's will. When you support the kingdom work of God, God says, I will meet your physical needs. Here's basically what Paul says. When God's people give in support of God's work, God will supply his people with everything they need. God says, I will supply your needs. Now, now, now let, me, let me make this clear because I already hear what somebody's saying. Yeah, but I've had to struggle. Have your needs been met? Well, I had to get some help from somebody. Did God meet your needs? Maybe God had to do some things to you in the midst of God providing for you. Let me see if I can make it plain. So when I was in seminary, I got to a place where I had waited on a job, waited on a job, waited on a job. It was a job in ministry, and the job never came through. Uh, every time I talked to the pastor, he said, man, we're getting ready to work it out. Some things came up at the church. We're getting ready to work it out. Some things came up at the church. And I finally got to the place where my savings was gone and I couldn't pay the rent. I saw it on the horizon. 
Now, I'm, I'm working. I'm married. I have three children. I'm, I'm the sole provider, primary provider, I should say. And, and I'm seeing this on the horizon. It's coming. The month is, is about to be longer than the money. And I'm like, God, I don't know what to do because I, I trusted you, God. I, I trusted you. And it was like the Lord said, no, you trusted that pastor. <laughs> you trust me. And so now he didn't come through like you thought he would. And so I'm praying. I'm asking God, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I called a friend of mine, one of my classmates, and I said to him, I said, man, I said, well, I'm in a tough place. I need you to pray for me. And he said, what's going on? I said, man, the month's about to be longer than the money. Um, next month is coming, man. I don't have the rent. And he said, man, he said, why don't you reach out to the people for whom you have ministered in the past? And I said, what do you mean? He said, just ask them for, for some help. And, man, first thing that jumped up in me was my pride. I was like, ask him for help. I was like, man, wait a minute. If God told me to come to seminary and God said he was going to provide, why would I ask them for help? And here's the answer. Maybe God wants to provide through them. Man, but, I, man, you know how hard it is to ask for help? No, that's not a God issue. That's a pride issue. That's your pride. That's not God. And I was like, wow. So he helped me write the letter. I put the letter together. I sent it out to five people. I sent it out to five people. And I called my pastor at my home church back home. And I called him and I said, Pop, how you doing? He said, hey, bud. He said, what's going on? I said, man, Pop, everything is, is good. He said, how's school? I told him how school was going. How is the family? Everything's good. He said, man, what do I owe this call to? I said, Pop, I'm, I'm in a tough place. I said, um, you know, I've been waiting on this job, and I had to get another job, but the job doesn't start for a couple of weeks, and my rent's going to be due. And I'm out. he said, how much you need? And I said, I said, I need $500. He said, done. He said, it'll be there in the mail. I get it out today. He said, anything else? What else you need? And I was like, wow. Now, here's my point. When God promises to supply your needs, he doesn't promise you how he's going to do it. Lord Jesus. And can I tell you something? It's not always painful. It, it may be painful. Uh, it may grate against your pride. But here's what I've learned. In the providing for you, God is also trying to take you through something in order to help you to become. I sent those letters out to different pastors, and those pastors sent back letters with checks in them saying, hey, man, and, and one, one pastor, my friend, uh, David Kelly, in Brooklyn, New York, Christ Fellowship Church. He's preached here for me. I've had an opportunity to preach there. 
sent me back a letter, and I'll never forget this. He said, man, thank you for the privilege of allowing our people to invest in you and support your season of preparation as you get ready for the kingdom work. And I was like, wow, thank you thank me for allowing them to bless me? But, but that's, that's what God does when you focus on what God wants you to do. See, because when I took my eyes off of what God was doing and I started focusing on me, man, I'm ready to have this pity party, y'all. I'm like, oh, my God, I ain't never been homeless in my life. I'm about to be homeless. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen because you know we always make it worse than it really is, right? And God said, no, I'm going to provide. I may not do it the way you think I should do it, the way you think I will do it, but I am faithful. Let me just close by telling you this. When you focus on the program of God and partnering with the people of God to do God's will, the joy of the Lord is the result as you see God's will done. Joy is the result when you learn how to trust God. Joy is the result when you see God provide from his inexhaustible resources. Joy is the result when you see God's providence, when you see God's power, when you see God's promises, and when you experience God's provisions. Joy is the result when you trust God to do what only God can do, and then you see God do it. Somebody ought to shout right there. Joy is the result when you focus on God's provisions that he will make a way and you see God do it. And when you look back, you don't have to wonder how you made it over. You will know beyond any shadow of a doubt that it was God. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for for blessing us. We go through some, some difficult times, some trying times, and there's somebody who's under the sound of my voice right now, God, who is going through some challenges um, as the the circle around us gets tighter and tighter and we're seeing thousands of people every day infected with COVID-19 and we're seeing people dying every day at first for somebody it was those way out there but God it's getting closer and closer. Now we know somebody directly or indirectly who has passed away from COVID-19. Uh, we're being challenged in the midst of this global grief. In the midst of the tension in our country. How can we have the joy of the Lord in our lives? God, the answer is where we focus. So God, help us to put our eyes and our, our trust in you. 
to focus on you, to do what only you can do. We love you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody who is watching right now, if you are looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, uh, we extend to you an opportunity to become part of our church family. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute, pastor, I thought the church was, was closed. Well, no, the church is not closed. The building is closed, but the church is still open. And you can become part of our church family virtually. Go online, send that information in and let us know you want to become a member of the Good Hope Church. You want to become part of this church. You want to give your life to the Lord. And we will welcome you. If you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now you are uh, thinking about your life and you know you don't know the Lord in the pardon of your sins. You've heard me say there are two kinds of people in the world, people who know Jesus and people who need him. If you know him, I want you praying for somebody right now. If you need him, I want your attention on me. I need you to know there's never been a better time for hope. And there's never been a greater need for God. I'm not talking about ritual routines or relationships. I'm talking about a, a, a God who loves you so much, he loves you where you are. But he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life. But God won't do it without your permission and your participation. And so I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer of salvation. Uh, to ask the Lord into your life. If you're not sure of your salvation, I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer so that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are saved, that you've given your life to the Lord. If you would, bow your heads and just pray this prayer with me. Ask the Lord into your heart. Repeat after me, dear God, I come to you as humbly as I know how, acknowledging that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to turn away, repeat after me, from my sinful life to the life you have planned for me. Please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me of my past. Make me new. I know your son. Jesus Christ died for me. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. At this very moment, I accept, confess, and proclaim Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior to live in my heart from this day forward. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you accepted Christ just now, congratulations. Please don't make the mistake of thinking you're going to feel different. You may feel different. You may not. But accepting Jesus Christ into your life is not based on feelings. It's an act of faith. 
And I want to encourage you to get connected with a Bible teaching, Bible believing, Bible practicing church in your local area. And if you are in the Houston metropolitan area, we would certainly love to see you at the Good Hope Church. And if you can't get anywhere because you are staying home to stay safe, stay with Good Hope virtually. We've got some exciting things we're going to be announcing over the next 30 days, and we would love for you to be a part of it. If you just accepted Christ, go to our website and click on the link, I just accepted Christ, now what? And it'll give you five things that we want to suggest that you do as soon as possible to get your walk with the Lord started. Now, just a couple of announcements, and then we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. So get your Lord's Supper elements ready. Those of you who are at home and you're putting together your own Lord's Supper elements, you've got your fruit of the vine, you've got your unleavened bread, your crackers, put it together. Those of you who picked up your packets, man, let's get ready to get them out. We'll get ready to have a word of prayer. You've been blessed by this message if you are being blessed in this series the joy campaign i want to encourage you it's not too late to become part of a life group if you go to the good hope website goodhope.org or download our app i am hope download the app you can register and become part of a life group we want to encourage you to do that and if you want to start a life group we'll help you do that as well we're excited about all of those who are participating in our life groups as they are encouraging one another to continue to grow in jesus christ let's get ready to celebrate the lord's supper together we pray and ask god's blessings on this meal of the ages uh, we pray and ask god's blessings on these elements on the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine that represents the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we get ready to sing this communion song, let's prepare our hearts and minds to worship the Lord today around this table. Thank you for the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine that represents your body and blood. We pray first that you would forgive us of our sins, of thought, word, and deed. You said in your word that a man or woman should examine him or herself to make sure that we do not eat or drink damnation to our own soul. And so we come to this table, God, first as humbly as we know how, 
and secondly coming in a spirit of repentance asking you God to forgive as only you can and we come focusing on the sacrifice that you made for us when you gave your body and blood on that old rugged cross it was your blood that cleansed us it was your sacrifice that paid the price for us and we say thank you now as we partake God we ask you to bless as only you can it's in Jesus name we pray Amen.